Hello and welcome to another episode of The Advantage. I'm your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Wednesday, February 28th. We are going to do a little two-part strategy-based podcast. We are going to start off by doing some reflective and strategy talk for what happened on Tuesday's NBA slate. Then we're going to segue over to Thursday, tomorrow, February 29th, NBA games, break down some of the best numbers that I do like, and discuss the strategy components behind those as well. There are a lot of moving parts between these two days, so we will go through some of the fun angles for you guys. Uh, But of course, before we get started, let me remind you of our typical housekeeping. Make sure you are following me on Twitter, at FiddlesPicks. Make sure you're signed up for my newsletter, a free gambling newsletter, fiddlespicks.substack.com. You can get all my gambling information straight emailed to you as soon as I release it. That is definitely the best place to be following along. And of course, this podcast is on the Fantasy Basketball International YouTube channel. We are reaching the Fantasy Basketball playoffs, so make sure you check out their resources to get you over the hump and bring home a trophy Let's get this thing started. I'm the type to get shit done. You're the type to observe. March Madness on my speakers, but today's November 23rd. Cause I'm loud in the blunt, yeah. I don't say what I want, yeah. Probably somewhere sunny in ten. Foreign women in the sun, yeah. That's all that I need. That's all that I need. That's all that I need. Got my brothers with me. Got my brothers with me and my mama's happy. That's all that I need. All right, everybody, like I said, we're going to do a little two-part podcast today. We're going to first discuss some strategy angles of what happened on Tuesday, February 27th, and then segue over to Thursday, February 29th, and discuss those as well. Let's start with the good stuff. It was actually Monday, the 26th, middle of the night. I guess it was probably still Tuesday, early, early, early in the morning. Uh, And I found two amazing bet positions that were clearly different from the market at Bet Rivers. I bet an under 227 and a half for the Pistons game, Pistons Bulls. And I bet a Miami Heat minus six against the Portland Trailblazers. Now, at those times, there was 225 and a half and 225s on the board for the total. So I had two and a half points of discrepancy from the market automatically. I want to point out that that ticket was a minus 113 on the juice that will become relevant in a little bit. And same thing with the Miami Heat. The rest of the market was at minus 7 or minus 7.5. So I simply grabbed those numbers. I did not care about the basketball context of those numbers. I looked how much different those were from where the opening line was and the direction of the movement of the board. And I said, these are bound to catch up to those. Sometimes those catch up to these. Sometimes one number is ahead of the market. So you have to find out which direction the market is moving. I figured out which direction the market was moving. and could pick off the remaining spots that was late to the game. So what I did, throw out the basketball angle. Notice that you have such a drastic difference in the board, and that inherently presents such a large opportunity. So I bet 10 units on that under 227.5 at minus 113 juice. I bet 6 units on the Miami Heat minus 6. I think that was at minus, it wasn't minus 110, but I don't think it drastically matters that much. Um, mainly, the bigger bet was on a minus 113, which I generally don't like to do because if you're going to make a big position, then you want your um, implied probability to be as close to 50-50 as possible. You're, you don't want to pay extra juice. It was ideally a minus 110 line, but I was willing to pay minus 113 because the way the rest of the board moved. Come to on 
Tuesday when the games are going to be played, I see that number dropping in the totals. I know that I'm on the right side. I see it go to 224 and a half, 224, 223 and a half, 223. I'm watching all of these ticks and knowing I'm in a really good place. Before the game, I was 100% going to do a buyback. Why do I like doing a buyback? Um, because that's the whole reason I initiated a huge position. If I just wanted to play the under, then I would have done it for about three units. That's generally my max exposure on the line. That's generally when I say I see good value here. I'm going to push three units of chips in. Here I did 10 units because I know come game time, I wouldn't have 10 units on the bet. I was going to play it back the other direction, which at this point was down to 222 or 221 and a half where we start to bring back in big numbers. Of course, the right thing to do is just always pay the right price for the right number, in which case when I played the 227.5 at minus 113 versus the rest of the board at 225 or 225.5 at minus 110, that was a no-brainer. In this situation, I could have played an an over 221.5 at minus 113, or I could have played an over 222 at minus 107. So you, for just six cents, you could get that extra extra half a point and you could uh, get an extra point of your middle. You Now you have between 227 and a half and 221 and a half. Otherwise, 222 would be a push number. However, because personally, I hate VIG because personally, I don't want to open a middle with a higher implied probability than 5%. And if you're paying minus 113 on both sides, you're increasing your price you're paying for that middle. It was not worth it. The best line at the time was still the over 227 at minus 107. And if I pair a minus 107 with a minus 113, you still get to this net essentially minus 110 on both sides or where your cumulative total is minus 220 between the two bets, which means that implied probability does come to a 5% when you start doing all the unit stuff. So, That's the direction that I played, and I played it back for six units so that I ended up having a four-unit exposure towards my original position. It ended up being even stronger than I originally imagined. I did not envision it going to 221 or 222, 221.5 or 222. I thought this would have floated around 224.5, 225, and would have still been worth it for me to do, but now I was opening up a really, really large position, so I let the position be even bigger than I expected. And I played into it and we covered with ease. It was like a, a lower than 210 in the final game score. It was fantastic. The Miami Heat also covered. I had them minus six. Went down huge in the first half. I just didn't even react. I did buy it back plus seven and a half pregame. Um, it was on key numbers. I had that in that situation, I had six units one direction, three units in the buyback. So I had my typical six units of uh, three units of exposure in my direction the same I would have played if I just played Miami heat minus six but since having minus six and plus 7.5 inherently holds value because six and seven are the two most common or not the two the one and the third most common outcomes in NBA basketball I chose to use that middle already I even had that middle available to me when I put in my original minus six but I said I can wait because there's multiple plus 7.5s that I could see if that ever gets to a plus 8 because that would be gorgeous. But it did not. Here's where Tuesday went wrong. There was a Knicks versus Pistons game. No, Knicks versus Pelicans game, rather. Pistons were playing the Bulls. We just talked about that. There was a Knicks versus Pelicans game. 
but the Pelicans were at the Knicks. Pelicans are on the uh, three games in four days. Two of them are on a road trip. It's a back-to-back on the road with travel in between both days. Uh, we get a Zion put gets put on the injury report with questionable with the left foot contusion. And I got uh, information given to me that Zion and CJ CJ McCollum were going to be out. Zion Williamson and CJ McCollum were both going to be out for the game and it was yet to be priced in. And I felt really good about the person that told me that information and the source that was coming from. So for me, I was like, immediately a massive edge existed. If I had a strong feeling that both Zion and CJ were going to be out for a game against the New York Knicks and they are both still questionable on the injury report and it seems not really priced in to the point where you could even play Zion Williams in props so you know that he is priced as playing in. CJ, you could not have played in the props at that time. Uh, Something to note for future and using this as a learning experience. So uh, I, I I had thought was really good intel that Zion and CJ were both going to be out. And to me, at that point, the edge that existed there was just as big, if not bigger, than the edge that existed when I played the 227 and a half when the rest of the market was at 225. I figured if Zion and CJ were going to be ruled out and if I felt very good about the source and the information and that it was going to be true, adding the fact that they're both added to the injury report that day, they're both listed as questionable, they have a back-to-back coming up, they're playing tomorrow night in Indiana, I was going to say Indianapolis, I guess they're playing in Indianapolis against Indiana Pacers, confusing. Um, So all of these things brought me to a point where I was like, okay, I feel confident in the intel that I have that Zion and CJ are both going to be out for this game. And if that's the case, this spread is going to move three, four, five points. It was currently Knicks plus four and a half. I thought if those two were going to be out and Brunson and Hartenstein were questionable, I had no intel on them. But I said to myself, if Brunson is out and Zion and CJ are both out, how does the line move? And I thought, okay, it's still is more of a negative impact to a Pelicans. So it was more of a reason for me to get on the Knicks. So what did I do when I thought I had strong intel that Zion and CJ were both going to be out? At that time, I thought I had one of the biggest edges that I will ever have in the market. I played heavily Knicks plus four and a half. I played Knicks money line for a bit. I started stacking up a bunch of role-player Pelican parlays. See if Zion's going to be out, if Hartenstein's on the injury report, if we already know Randall and OG Ananobi are out. Let me get some Valanchunas exposure. So I got Valanchunas overs points. I got Valanchunas' over rebounds. I got Herb Jones over points. I got Brandon Ingram's over rebounds and assists. I got Dante DiVincenzo's over 25 points at plus 460. I got Precious Achua's over rebounds. I started taking all of these players at overs, escalated odds. Like if, instead of DiVincenzo straight up, like what was it, 15 and a half? I went over and said over 25 for plus 460. And I made that a bet. So I started even parlaying things. And you guys know I absolutely hate parlays. Well, if an edge exists where you're going to gain massive CLV, you might as well parlay some of those things together. If this sort of situation exists where you can pair Valanchunas's over points, 10.5 
with Herb Williams, Herb Jones over 10.5 as well. Why am I screwing up all the Pelicans names? I definitely know who plays for the team. Uh, if Herb Jones over 11.5 and Valanciunas over 10.5 points are on the market, and you know that Zion and CJ are going to be ruled out for the game, you parlay those two together, add in the suspensions and the injuries the Pelicans were dealing with, then you know that they're going to play a crazy allotment of minutes and are probably going to hit those statistics, and it's actually worth parlaying it. So at that point, if you think you have that big of an edge, if in, if a situation exists where you think your edge is just massive, it is probably one of the biggest edges you will have in an NBA game if that information does come to fruition. Then you are attacking this from a gazillion angles. Spread, money line, props, over props, alt line props, escalators, parlays, the works. The works. I put another 10 units into this position. It was another massive position for me. Now, a, a half hour, an hour goes by, and I start to realize that we are not getting any word on Zion and that I'm starting to get a little nervous. And then we get some reports that Zion's at shoot-around, that Zion's on track to play, that Zion's going to be in there. The line starts, like, holding steady at the number that I bet. It flashed back because I guess some smart people also bet it, too. And then it stayed very firm right back at that Knicks plus four. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, it seems like Zion is going to play. So at the first moment that I thought my information was no longer solid, I just bought off of it as fast as I could. If I was on Knicks plus four for six units, I got Pelicans minus four for six units. And I said, okay, I will just accept 0.6 units of VIG loss. You guys can do the math. If it's minus 110, that's 6.6 to win six. You're going to win one of the bets. You're going to lose one of the bets. You're going to lose six tenths of a unit. Fine. Fine. I will lose that because my edge no longer exists and I don't want to be overexposed. You could have cashed out of some of those parlays. Hartenstein was actually... um, ruled out. So some of the Valanchunas props that I took straight up were just able to be cashed out of uh, at fair value. I mean, they even gained CLV in the in the closing lines, but I no longer wanted them. I didn't want as much exposure. I ended up keeping a few units of Nick's exposure because I didn't work off all of my ticket. I didn't work off the money line and I worked off all but one unit of the spread. I cashed out of Valanchunas parlays at even money. I cashed out of a Brandon Ingram. I mean, not Valanchunas props at Ingr- at at even money. I crashed out of an Ingram prop at even money. Um, and I let the DiVincenzo play go because Brunson and Hartenstein were ruled out. I let the Valanchunas over points, over rebounds, and Herb Jones over points parlay plus 477 continue to go because those all had plus CLV and were paired together. So I stuck to my strategy roots. Ultimately, I got smacked in the mouth. I mean, holy shit. The fucking Knicks were playing Miles McBride. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich was out there looking like he was playing with the Pistons still. It was Precious Achua, Miles McBride, Jericho Sims, Boyan Bogdanovich, and Alec Burks. It's like, who is this team that's going against Trey Murphy, Herb Jones, uh, Zion, B.I., and Valentinus? It was an abject disaster. The worst things ever could have happened, which was Zion and CJ 
I mean, CJ was ruled out. Zion was ruled in. And it seemed like that was the way it was priced the whole time that CJ was going to be out and Zion was going to be in. Insert, that's the way the prop market showed it to be at the time. So I needed to take that into consideration. Then we get Bronson and Hartenstein both out. I had no inkling on either of them, but I just figured the Pelicans players were conjoined worth more to a spread than the two Knicks players. So therefore the Knicks would have had an edge of an angle of edge. Uh, that moved heavily against me because Zion in Brunson and Hartenstein both out. That was completely fucked. Uh, it got to the point in the game where I walked in with Knicks plus four Knicks money line and some stupid parlays, some escalator alt overs. And I was like, I hate the position that I'm in. The truth is the position to steal was probably the Pelicans minus six at closing because the lineups were objectively so dominantly talent deficient and talent edge Pelicans way. The Knicks roster was depleted. So I felt horrendous. Uh, I was sick to my stomach about getting myself into that position. I was sick to my stomach even more so. And I'll make this part quick because I have let some other people know in my life that like, hey, I think this is going to happen. Uh, people who don't always follow my picks and advice and aren't like ball hawking watching some like some of the followers are like some people who listen to this podcast who want to immediately know what the next play is. Appreciate it. I love all you guys. I really appreciate the support and that you enjoy my work. Um, it, it really sucks when you call up family and friends and you're on the phone with someone in your family and you're like, yeah, put $500 on this. And then you call up another friend and you're, and you're like, he's like, I'm going to the game. And I'm like, make it a 10 unit bet. Like this is a moment where you go for it. And then it just doesn't happen. And not only did I lose like my own money, but, and I was able to work off some of it. So in turn, like I didn't even get crushed myself. And then I ended up winning my other two big bets. So I made out fine on the night, but it, I've been like legitimately like uh, situationally depressed over this one. Like I've been sleeping all day and not feeling like myself because a learning experience to me was just not to do that, not to share. If I do think I have an edge, then, uh, Maybe I could whisper it lightly to, and say, hey, this is what I think is going to happen. So you can handle it if it does and just handle it myself. But I shouldn't be calling family and friends and telling them to overexpose themselves and do something that they didn't they wouldn't normally do because that's what I'm doing or because of inside information that I might have gotten at the time. I don't know. I look back on it and I'm like. The information was as solid as it could have come, and I and I. If I, if I had that information again, I'd probably proceed into into making another move. I don't know if it would have been as big, but I would have handled the noise and the way I spoke about it differently. So that was a learning experience for me. Uh, hopefully, I'll get back to being myself and giving out all these picks and advice. I, I, I will. Certainly, I'll bounce back onto my feet. Um, let's start that now and going over some of these Thursday games. There are a few spots that I like. There's actually nothing that I've actively bet yet. Just, still just haven't been in the, in the mood. Um, so we'll go through that. And uh, yeah, we'll break it all down. Let's get it. Let's, let's move over to the Thursday slate. I'll bring up the odds. 
Of course, as always, I'm sharing the FanDuel odds screen. I think it presents best situationally on the big board. I like how I can highlight some of the screens, go through some of the splits. But, of course, not all the best numbers can be found at draft uh, at FanDuel. So you want to make sure that you check and line shop and get the best number possible. Let's start with the Milwaukee Bucks at Charlotte Hornets. Um, I want to talk about the under here. At 217, this opened at 219 and a half. It's down to 217 and a half. Taking it under in a Milwaukee Bucks game is terrifying, despite how bad the Hornets scoring has been recently. And like, I mean, they smacked him in the mouth the other game. The point that I wanted to make with this one is that this is one of those back-to-backs where the, these teams literally just played each other two days ago, and now they're playing each other again. It was in Milwaukee last time. The Milwaukee Bucks were a 15-point favorite. They ended up covering the spread, um, and the Hornets couldn't score. Now we get to the road game where we're back in Charlotte. Milwaukee Bucks are now only a 12-point favorite. We know now they're pricing in some of the results and a kind of lower home field advantage, home court advantage than we'll normally see or that we'll see upcoming in the playoffs when some of these lines will move like seven points going from one place to another. We'll have to see how we feel about that. But the, the spot here was the under. And it's just a moment where I could reiterate that when teams play each other in this baseball series where they play each other back-to-back, in the second game, we see less scoring. We generally see um, the opposite team win because the team that just lost tries harder to not get swept. But the main thing that we see is, um, especially when we get teams that are talent-deficient or talent uh, have a staggering talent difference, which I think we could apply to the Hornets and Bucks is that we see the under come because these players know each other's tendencies. They start to know where what spots that they want to get to. They know how to avoid them and put them in the other direction. It becomes more of a half-court offense. It becomes more of attacking matchups. It becomes more of a pick-and-roll game. And for those reasons, it generally brews under, of course, a Milwaukee Bucks under 217.5 feels disgusting. At that point, you might as well just look for like a Charlotte Hornets team total under and play that because that's clearly the direction that they're thinking. The Bucks are going to put up points. I even kind of like the idea of buying a low Bucks team total over because you're going to be getting a team total that's reflective of the game total with a 12-point spread. So these things all line up. You're not going to get a 12-point spread and over 217. And then you look at the Hornets and bucks totals and it doesn't equal 12 in the difference and they don't add up to 217 and a half those things are all going to be aligned so maybe the angle is a team total here maybe over for the bucks or under for the hornets uh or maybe you just take that minus 12 if those are your two angles because if that were the case then the minus 12 hits as well golden state warriors at the new york knicks we just talked about the knicks and how abysmally in how abysmal this team is when they're injured early line movement suggests that they're still going to be dealing with these injuries um, I, I if the Knicks are rolling out that squad again, Warriors minus four is a slam spot. I have not done the digging. Go do the digging into the Knicks injury report and see where they are. If they are going to be rolling out the McBride, uh, DiVincenzo, Josh Hart, Preston Achua, Jericho Sims starting lineup, bet the Warriors. Um, yeah, clearly. Atlanta Hawks, Brooklyn Nets. If you're betting the Atlanta Hawks, Brooklyn Nets, Without Trey Young and how abysmal these nets are, good luck. You could take your own advice on that one. San Antonio Spurs are home against the Oklahoma City Thunder. We have the battle of the rookies of the years, which seems to be a one-sided race in both directions. The Thunder are vastly the superior team. 
Wembenyama is the better rookie who's going to win rookie of the year. We are reminded, as always, that rookie of the year is not a reflection of who wins, but is just putting up the best best numbers and is simply the better player. And I do think Wembenyama, as impactful as Chet has been to winning, give me Wemby. In this game, we've seen the Spurs plus 11 and the unders be the two sharp sides. I think those are correlated. I want to talk about how those are correlated. If mainly the under is going to be taking a lot of sharp action, then if that's going to come down three points, then just by correlation, we need to bring down the spread a little bit. If this spread was originally 11 and a half and the game total was originally 239 and a half, that's what it was. Then we see this come down three points. This, the spread has got to reflect that in some degree. We also see there's money on OKC, but on, on FanDuel at least, there might be some money on the Spurs in other books, but we've seen the Spurs come down from 11.5 to 11. It's a reflection of the total moving three points, and that being the correlated way the spread almost has to move, and it's almost being repriced given the new total as it being its own segment of movement. The uh, Houston Rockets at the Phoenix Suns. I like the under for this game, under 234. You can get it at FanDuel right now. Um, we've seen this start to come down to 233 and a half, 232 at other spots. So if you could get that under 234, it's nice. It's juiced to 112 at FanDuel. Maybe you could find it minus 110 elsewhere. Rockets are an incredibly defensive team. Sometimes they struggle to score offensively. And they're abysmal on the road. The Phoenix Suns are still without, I think they're still going to be without Bradley Beal, or maybe they're going to get Beal back for this game. Definitely check on that. If Beal's going to come back, the total's going to go up a bit. So maybe you're waiting on the under. Like I said, these are the spots that I like. I don't have any bets yet. I don't know if I'm going to get back into betting this slate, or I might just take one more day off. Uh, but that's definitely a number that sticks out to me. Miami Heat, Denver Nuggets. Let's talk about this plus 4.5 situation we got brewing. Miami Heat, it, are they getting the sharp side because they've, they're playing so well and they've won nine of their last 11? Or are they getting the action and the spread movement because Jamal Murray was added to the injury report? I'm going to go with the second, and which makes Denver Nuggets minus four and a half or minus whatever once we get Murray ruled in. Very interesting to me. There's a little finals rematch back in Denver this time in the altitude. I think this is Miami Heat's fourth straight road game. They went New Orleans, had the fight, and went to Sacramento, then went to Portland. They've won all three. They've won nine of their last 11. Now they go into the altitude in Denver. I think this is a troubling spot for a team that just doesn't match up well. I do want to know who's going to play. If it if it means waiting and getting a Nuggets minus six with a clean injury report and not being on the bad side of some injury news, then yeah, give me that. But Nuggets minus 4.5, like as long as Jokic and some of the main guys are playing, which we're not going to suddenly get Aaron Gordon resting out of nowhere for this game, uh, then yeah, I, I like the Nuggets in this spot. Washington Wizards, I'm I'm going to assume the Wizards get some sharp action given the way, I mean, the Wizards are like the worst team in the league right now, so maybe not. But I, I kind of assume that because it looks like LeBron might get 40K in this 229 game, which of course will be hat tip to me for cashing my big bet. When will LeBron score uh, 40K? I have, I have a lot of dates, but my biggest one was on or after 229. It is 228 at 1159, and LeBron still hasn't done it. It's literally 1159 as I'm recording right now. 
Should we wait? Should we wait till it? No, I, I actually start winning the ticket when LeBron breaks 40K, and I just need him not to get injured. But hey, it's Thursday, February 29th right now, and the Wizards are taking on the Lakers now tonight for LeBron to get to 40K. When we saw LeBron get to uh, pass Kareem last season, the energy was just sucked out of the building after that moment happened. And it was the OKC Thunder, and they they came away and took that game in the fourth quarter. So it, the record happened in, I think, the third quarter. And the fourth quarter was just a one-way show. Uh, it looked like the, the Lakers just were done for the night. I wonder how that's going to be with the Lakers like kind of wanting slash needing this win and to, and to stay up in the standings and it being against the Washington Wizards, a much less competitive team. I wouldn't be surprised if they do get some sharp action because of the spot and because of the way the last one went when LeBron broke a scoring award. However, the, the one-off situation is not a reason for me to be like, that's a reason to play this angle. Or, oh, he, the whole energy was sucked out of the building versus OKC. Take the Wizards this year. I actually heard a hilarious joke, and we'll end on this is that the Wizards might have to change their name to the Lizards because if you got nine wins all season, you can't have a W in front of your name. You got to have an L. So the Washington Lizards, the Liz kids, uh, I, I they might get some steam, but I want nothing to do with it. I would say my best bets on this board right now are honestly a contrarian nuggets to the what I think is more injury report than steam on how the Heat are playing. Um and Golden State Warriors minus four. Those would be really the only two spots that I look at. Maybe I'll get the energy to go bet them myself. Of course, thank you guys for listening, for tuning in, for supporting my work. Obviously, I haven't feeling, been feeling my best about uh, the way things went the last day or two, as I told in the story. Uh, I'll be back. I'll get myself back up. Ain't worry about it. Uh, when you're a gambler, you have to remind yourself that shit happens. Even, even a, having that huge edge even Zion and CJ could have been in and I could have ended up losing the bet anyways. So I could have had that edge and still lost all the money. I need to, you know, not beat myself up over too much. Remind myself that I do do a ton of good work. My intentions were good. Everyone's intentions were, were spot on in that situation. Just didn't pan out. Um, and given back, going back, there would have been a few things that I did differently, but my own exposure would have been the same. And, and last thing, I'm almost proud of myself that uh, it's like a it's like a catch 22 to feel shitty, but be proud of yourself for feeling shitty because that's the human component in me and the compassionate and the empathetic side of me. Um, that I, I I remember calling someone in my family and being like, put five hundred dollars on this, and I remember calling a friend and being like, yeah, and he was going to the game, and I was like, dude, sl- slam this line. And so, like, me costing those people money, and they're not, like, asking me for money back, even though I probably would give some of it. I, I, I'd have to they, see how messy that gets. That's the learning experience not to get myself in the situation again and just handle information on my own uh, and do what I want with it. But I don't necessarily need to give it to everyone else. I will give you guys my normal picks and strategy and stuff like that because that stuff is steady, Eddie, and... uh you don't, we don't go 10 units onto those things on a hunch. I guess it was an hunch on a source. Anyways, that's be where I end it. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. I'll catch you next week.
You just listened to another episode from the Fantasy Basketball International Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. And for more information about joining our community, please check out our website at fbibasketball.com.